0: We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff
1: win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins.
0: You're in a lot of trouble, and maybe it's because... Well, sorry, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> ah, uh, Toronto. Hello, and welcome
2: to another episode of the Brew Hoop podcast, and because Billy so- this week. I'm Adam Harris. I feel like United I fear Boston, Boston most of all. Out of the thank you, my Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman filled in so admirably nah. for me last week. Yeah. Yeah. The and once, as per usual, they are joining me again today. So, fellas, how are we doing? 18 straight wins for the Bucks can't really quibble
1: with that. Are you sure about that? Because I might be able to quibble <laughs> with it. 18 and 0. I mean, the the number's impressive, but once you kind of deep. You know, dive into the the stats beneath it. Really? Is it something to be excited about? I don't know, but I'm excited to talk about it today.
0: Either way, it's still 18 games and shout out to Wisconsin Heard. They were able to get their 12th straight win last night. So professional basketball in Wisconsin undefeated, never lost. College basketball in Wisconsin, absolute train wreck. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the college basketball,
2: but shout out to the herd. I'm glad you bring that up. Kyle. I think they won an OT or really Triple close OT. game. Last night. Triple last I, I think. Oh yeah. Good Lord. Props to the herd. Big turnaround for them. Um, so yeah, I mean, but, uh, for the Milwaukee bucks, no need for a turnaround. They've won after a, you know, rampaging through the league last year, they're on an 18 game winning streak, uh, with no end in sight, obviously. Um, but uh, there, there might have a, have a little hiccup here with Eric Bledsoe who went out in the Memphis Grizzlies game after Wesley Matthews it seemed to collide knees with him. It looked like uh, and it turns out that what he has is a something I've never heard of before a right fibula avulsion fracture and guys I looked a little bit into this because I didn't know uh, two of the words that were in there. Um, and the fibula for anyone who didn't know is the bone to the right of your tibia. So sort of on the, on the lateral side of your uh, calf down there. And, uh, an avulsion fracture is a bone fracture This is from Wikipedia, which occurs when a fragment of bone tears away from the main mass of bone as a result of physical trauma. And now I did a little more digging. And it sounds like typically this does not happen to normal people, but it is prone to happen in athletes um, due to them exerting intense physical uh, pressure and ability on those areas with their feats of strength. So the more important thing beyond all that stupid gobbledygook that I spent too much time looking up, Riley, is that Eric Bledsoe will be out two weeks. And we obviously have a couple big games for the Milwaukee Bucks coming up next week against the Mavericks and the Lakers, and then the Christmas Day game against Philly so what's some of your immediate takeaways for how the bucks might fill in
1: well first off i think we can add adam paris md next to co-managing editor of brew hoop because that was a wonderful explanation we appreciate the research uh to the uh basketball court itself one it sucks for Eric, obviously, because it was like a total like fluky, like you said, contact with Wes. There was obviously nothing. It was just an accident. And I thought because it, it was happened so quickly, I thought like Wes <laughs> clocked uh, Eric in, in the head and then Giannis was like picking Eric, Eric up off the phone. I'm like, Giannis, don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it turned out being OK, but I think it's difficult to get a vibe for – how it's going to manifest itself on the court because we haven't, even when Eric had the rib injury, he still played. And obviously he wasn't playing at full capacity. And now I I wonder if we have like, it it looks like it's going to be Dante who's going to fill in for him in the starting lineup. I don't anticipate there being a huge drop off offensively, probably because Now that Dante's playing at such a high level, Wes has really rounded into form the past couple of weeks. Giannis is Giannis. Chris is playing really well as well. And then Brooke even is offensively kind of picking it up a little bit. I think offensively will be okay. What I'm more curious about is, as it is with any time Eric is out, or even if he's not on the floor, when you're facing a team with really, really good guard play, that makes things really difficult because Dante's a good defender and George Hill is fine and, Wes is okay as well, but none of them are nearly as um aggressive, but not aggressive, out of control aggressive, like a controlled concentrated aggression that forces off or opponent offenses to kind of stutter for a moment. And so if Eric is out, and we saw even last night against the Cavs, where it's like you have Colin Sexton who is a really quick guard. You have Darius Garland, who's also pretty quick. And even, even though neither of them had really great shooting, nights, there were a lot of times where they were able to get penetration relatively easily given the way that the Cavs play. So I would be most curious about that. And I don't think it's going to be a, the team's going to fall off the face of the earth, obviously, but that that's the part where I'm, I'm most interested in seeing if this drop off, which I think there would be. And if the bucks are able to resist that a little bit better.
2: Yeah. And, kylan our our first glimpse of i I thought the decision to put dante in there was a little interesting i mean obviously we know bud loves george hill but he must really really like him leading out those bench units clearly dante has had a little experience in the starting lineup earlier this year filling in for chris middleton but uh you know at at least to start he he seemed to play really under control against the Cavs. 15 points five rebounds four assists three steals and I, i think almost most importantly just one turnover for dante but Uh, I still thought it was a pretty interesting decision that he was the guy that Bud tabbed. Yeah,
0: and I think it might have had something to do with the fact that Dante has played with the starters, so it might just be continuing the continuity, which makes sense. I also expected George Hill to slot into the starting lineup just to have another ball handler that can facilitate the playmaking so the load isn't just on Giannis and Chris, but I think Bud kind of figured you do have Giannis and Chris that are able to do it. And with a lot of the offensive sets they have, it, it does require players to be able to pass, shoot, and dribble. So to have someone like Dante be able to come in, and as long as he takes care of the ball, it's not going to be too much of an issue. So I think Dante makes make sense in the idea of chemistry and continuity. I would probably go George Hill, just and maybe it's because they don't have another guard that can handle that playmaking with the bench squads so i i like it and dante looked very impressive including a poster on john henson which was the most surreal thing that i have seen and i'm just glad that all of my hyping up of dante the last year and a half is coming to fruition
1: well and you even noticed that last night against the Cavs, how are you saying where if guys can dribble pass shoot etc if you can do it all that's great But even the way that Milwaukee walks the ball up the floor, like in transition, it's pretty much anything goes. Whoever gets the ball goes for it. But when you're walking up the floor, essentially, like yes, it'll go to Eric if he's out there. But I think everybody who's in the starting lineup is competent enough with at least getting the ball into position to start offensive sets where even if you have Dante out there, you're not going to see a significant drop-off, which is why I'm also, again, not super worried about the way the offense is going to go because you have other players who can... Do a reasonable facsimile of what Eric does to paper things over and let Giannis and Chris and everybody else kind of go off.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think the clearly the defensive end of the floor is where we've tabbed Eric Bledsoe as having the most impact. And it'll be curious to see how Dante is able to deal with some of the point guards that maybe. I think I think Dante is relatively good at fighting around screens. I think it, that's been one of the things that's pleasantly surprised me, and that's clearly one of Eric Bledsoe's main jobs. Now, the other question is going to be, you know, if Dante has a little bit more load defensively each night, how is he is he able to contribute some of the same stuff that he does offensively? You know, are the legs not going to be under him for when he's shooting? I think one of the biggest benefits for Dante, and this was even though I was a To have completely done an about face on Dante and and ripped, but I ripped the pick at the time. But one of the things I really liked about him was he seemed to have a really acute ability in transition to find the right passing lanes and and give it up to guys quickly. And you just saw that multiple times last night. The chemistry between him and Giannis Kyle in transition is uh, just beautiful.
0: Yeah, and I think it was Justin Superbuck that had mentioned it and how Dante gives the ball to Giannis on the fast break, in which a certain player never did in the past. So I think that's something that is highlighted. (laughs) Say his name,
1: Kyle. Say his name.
0: Okay, fine. Malcolm Brogdon, whatever. Oh, man. That was one of the main criticisms that we had about Brogdon was not giving the ball to Giannis, and that's something that Dante has always been able to do. And I think we always talked about in the past players that – For all their faults, like Jason Terry, Dante, I think OJ Mayo is another one. They knew, get Giannis the ball in transition. No questions asked. And that is a good sign because, obviously we said, anyone that gets a fast break, you just go and run with it. But Giannis is such a force, and you don't know if he's going to step past you, if he's just going to run you over and dunk it on you. He's able to make that pass. And just getting him the ball, and as long as you're – within a good passing angle for him, he's going to get you the ball and you can get the easy layups, kind of like what we saw primarily in the second half of that game. Um, something that I also thought about is without Eric Bledsoe, yes, it kind of hurts in terms of the defensive capability, but when you look at the next couple weeks, it's not like Milwaukee is playing that many teams with a pure, pure point guard. You know, you got mm-hmm. the Mavericks without Luca. I don't know how that team looks. You have the Lakers who, and LeBron is the primary playmaker. You know, you have like the Knicks, Pacers, Sixers have a coward at point guard. Um, the only <laughs> team that has a pure point guard is the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young. And you would think that Dante would be able to handle that responsibility as well. So it's going to hurt defensively, but at the same time, they're thankfully not playing teams that have pure point guards that could cause issues for Milwaukee. Uh, sounds like you're
2: shortchanging Markel Fultz and yeah. the big one. Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Is Malcolm no. going to duck us I, again? I, stand by what I, <laughs> I,
1: stand I really by hope that. not. <laughs> I I think it just, just kind of jumping on your point, Kyle. I, I agree that it, and what's not even, it's not even just Dante, like Dante and Giannis, how you pointed out, they have really good chemistry, but they've been multiple times where it's like Dante and Chris or Dante and George Hill kind of trailing. So, and, and it's not even just Dante as well. There were a couple of times where we all know Chris is a pretty good passer, like a creative passer, but there were times where he's driving to the basket and then he kind of goes between the legs, like kicks it out to Brooke Lopez on the perimeter for like a three. So I think the I would be interested I don't have the stats right in front of me, but to see the playmaking numbers this year versus last season, just, you know, passing numbers, how often it's getting moved around things like that. Cause it feels a lot more fluid than it did even a year ago and how much of that is Malcolm Brogdon how much of that is the rest of the system things like that but again if we're looking at that as that's going to be a primary style of play which it looks like it's going to be then not having Eric blood so it's not that big of a deal which Adam I'm not sure in your research did you, did you see how long these injuries generally last because I know the Bucks said two weeks but I, I don't know if you saw anything else uh, given timelines or anything
2: um, no real timelines, just the one that I read just said a lot of it is, is rest and ice. And none of them talk specifically about injuries on the specifically like to the, the fibula itself. They mostly talked about evulsion fractures on the foot or the hip, which okay. seemed like they would last longer. So maybe this one isn't quite as severe, um, but also don't take anything that I just said to mean anything <laughs> uh, worthwhile.
0: Not a doctor. No,
2: no. I think the point you make is, is interesting though, Riley, because one of the things that clearly the Bucs, we were all thinking that the Bucs needed this year uh, to replace he who must not be named, but we've already said multiple times, is uh, an ability for their guards to be able to play make. And I think this should be a really good litmus test for Dante DiVincenzo. Last night he passed with flying colors, but how much is he able to take guys off the dribble and kind of get to the rim and maybe get his own shot? How much is he able to create for other players on the team and, and kick out? And we've certainly seen glimpses of that, but just having a little bit larger sample size in a more – elevated role I think will be beneficial for this team
1: yeah and how crazy is it like up until how many weeks into the season was the magic game it was like two or three weeks I want to say before we actually played the magic and that was like Dante's first big breakout and that you have to give credit to both him and Budenholzer how consistent they've been with giving him the minutes. And obviously he's totally earned them. It's, you know, it's not just giving him minutes for the sake of giving him minutes, but the fact that he's been able to respond to the new responsibilities and the, kind of the heavier workload, it, it's a huge credit to him and obviously huge egg on at least me and you, Adam, our faces mm-hmm. a year ago after the pick. So shout out Dante, to, I don't know if we'll get a f- formal Dante's Inferno, but I think we can pretty much tab the entire start of this podcast as an extended Dante's Inferno while talking about Eric Bledsoe.
2: Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. A lot of, lot of egg for pasta making on our face. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, speaking of that Magic game uh, a couple weeks in, the Bucks played the Magic again. We'll get into some of our game recaps here. Uh, that first win this past week was a 110, 10 100 win victory against the Orlando Magic. Uh, Giannis had 32 points, 15 boards, eight assists, ho-hum, uh, took it to Jonathan Isaac down low a couple times, really showed off his strength and ability to, to get past him, despite the fact that Isaac, I, I had not realized how good of a year he had been having defensively that he was getting like defensive player of the year talks. Um, but holy, wow, that dude is good at blocking shots. Um, so kudos to that guy. I mean, he seemed like he would be a beast coming out, but he's, he's really seemed to elevate his game. Magic shoot just thirty-two percent from deep. Bucks are hot, shoot thirty-nine percent. Any big takeaways from that one, Kyle? That you recall?
0: Uh, Not really. It was kind of impressive how the Magic were able to stay in the game Um, because a lot of the times Milwaukee sometimes lets teams get close and they're able to blow the doors off of them, and that didn't happen in this case with the Magic. Um, They were just kind of. It seemed like they were going to get away from it near halftime, but I will give props to Orlando. They're a pesky team. They don't really have a superstar. They have a good. They have a good collection of guys that would be fantastic role players on championship teams. And now that they're healthier, I think that helps them as well. I wouldn't be surprised if this team gets a seven or eight seed in the playoffs. But I, I'll give props problem. They kept it close. They never necessarily shriveled and kind of lost the game. They just were able to consistently. Chip in every, like, get a little 5 run or get a 6-3 run, just able to con- put together stretches where the game wasn't going to become a 20-plus lead for the Bucks It was always going to be that annoying 10-15 to 15 range where a couple shots fall and Orlando was right back in it. Yeah, and especially yeah. with Vucevic out. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan
1: No, I was just going to say, and it, kind of piggybacking off of that, it's not totally unprecedented because in that first game of the season, especially in the first quarter, it was really tight. And even though the Bucks end up scoring 31 points in that game in the first quarter, uh, the Orlando Magic were able to kind of keep pace offensively. Eventually, the Bucks kind of pulled away, but it, it was not unprecedented to see the Magic at least be pesky given their length and... If if the Bucks are in the right mindset, then it's pretty easy to get around. But if you just have kind of like a slightly off offensive night, then obviously their just defensive instincts and their size makes things difficult. And it obviously it was going to prove out in the end that Milwaukee's talent was able to get through, but it, it's not super surprising that even though if you look at the Orlando Magic's record or their stats, it's not super impressive. There's still like a top half of league defense and that shows in a game like this where it is just sort of ugly, even though Giannis and Chris both get their stat lines.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of how that game felt. And, it, it, you know, this, this was a week of, of kind of teams, plucky teams sticking with the bucks a, a little bit more than us just blowing them, excuse me, the bucks blowing the doors off the team. Uh, didn't see a whole lot else from that magic game, but a semi-instructive win uh, last Wednesday against the New Orleans Pelicans, 127 to one, 127 to 112. Giannis sits for the first time this season with quad soreness Uh, In his stead, uh, Eric Bledsoe has an incredibly hot shooting night, 29 points, 5 of 6 from deep, and that's only on 13 shots. So 29 points on 13 shots is just insanely efficient. Um, Chris Tabbs, 24 points as well. Uh, Riley, was there anything from that Pelicans game that stood out?
1: Ursan Ilyasova heard all the haters that's what stood out to me he was like what you think I'm done and he comes out and gets 18 points off of 8 of 10 shooting and 2 of 3 from 3 uh, and 9 rebounds too it was a hell of a performance from Urson. no I think it was super typical uh, where as we say over and over again if you get one of Chris or Eric great if you get both of them even better and we happen to stand up in this situation and both of them play really really well and obviously I think What was the biggest takeaway, not only the deep or the hot offensive night for Eric and Chris was the contrast of New Orleans where I think, let me see here, one, two, three, four, five guys, for or no, just four guys for New Orleans scores in double digits. And obviously Brandon Ingram, JJ Reddick, and Drew Holiday, they all get 20 plus points. But after that, it's like everybody else is two points, four points, two points. Whereas you go for over to Milwaukee and you have... One, two, three, four guys again who were scoring double digits, but a lot of other guys like nine points, seven points, eight points. Um, so I think what was most encouraging is even without Giannis, you can rely on the top two guys. And we're at a point now where the system and the talent is so deep where you're able to even beat like, you know, a scrappy but still not great New Orleans team in this sort of situation.
2: Yeah. And once again, J.J. Reddick continues to seem to not miss against the Bucs. That was the. He, he was just shooting the lights out that night. That was insane.
1: I think he'd look good in, uh, in Bucks Green. I don't know if that, just there's some sort of feeling I get that maybe he, he was built for Milwaukee. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know if we'll ever commit and try and get JJ, but I don't, I don't know if I need to see the JJ experiment again in Milwaukee. I think I'm hard pass on that one as as good as he still continues to be deep into his career.
2: Yeah, 100%. Got to be the that had to be one of the biggest bummers for um, ESPN for nationally televised games without Zion and not even getting Giannis I don't even he, know what yeah
1: well that's that's their punishment for setting up for an 8:30 <laughs> 30 start essential time so whatever I don't even yeah like I don't know who world.
0: thought that was a good idea I'm mad at that person that made a decision because I was not happy I don't even think I was not happy by the end of the game let's just say that
2: well isn't that how it always goes like it's the one's a little earlier and then it just like it's a little bit happens to be a little bit later
0: yeah, but the later one is normally a West Coast or Mountain team. It's not well,
1: in this, you know, Central time zone. But Kyle, New Orleans is a Western Conference team. I don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah, we're gonna... <laughs> Gee, I'm, I hate that they are in the West, and also that
0: Memphis is in the West. They they need to rearrange that because those no, those two cities are just as east or further east in Memphis's case than Milwaukee. Let's make sense geographically, people. Come on.
2: Yeah, I try to keep my grousing as an east coast guy to a minimum, but uh yeah, sometimes it is pretty tough when these games are are at like 9:30. The worst was watching the um China Bucks Summer League game that wasn't a t- t- <laughs> tip off till like 10:30 out here. <laughs> that one was really hard to watch.
1: A lot uh, of good memories though, a lot of good memories from that yeah. game, so that's what matters most.
2: <laughs> oh, speaking of um Memphis being in the wrong conference, it, the 127-114 win for the Bucks against the Memphis Grizzlies. Right. I was just going to say that. it was like probably one of the weirdest games I can remember of this year.
1: Yeah. And where do you even begin? I mean, I, like, <laughs> the top line, the top line is obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. going for 43 points and shooting 33 pointers in the third quarter and keeping <laughs> them alive. But also like how many personnel fouls were there? Or 21 fouls against the, the Bucs, 26 against Memphis. And yet, even through all that, Giannis still gets 37 points and 11 rebounds in 27 minutes. So it's still a move point at the end of the day. But it was just a strange game from top, like weird, weirdly intense, close up until the final half of the fourth quarter. Like it was just a strange game.
0: Yeah. It was kind of odd because I never felt like the Bucs were going to lose that game, but it was at the same time. Okay, when is this run gonna happen? Let's go! Come on, come on, Bucks! Let's let's get this lead. And then they, I think they had it at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and Memphis took it right back. It was like, if they're gonna lose on the road to Memphis without Jamal Morant, that's going to be the weirdest game to compound all the other weird stuff that happened, and then finding out that Giannis is super super petty. It, I think this was one of those games where if they had lost, we would have looked back and kind of like. The Suns games last year, where if the Bucks had lost, we would have been like, "What? How did this happen? <laughs> yeah. This doesn't make sense." But thankfully, Giannis went into full effect in the fourth quarter, and Bruno Calaboco is reaping what he sowed after what he did in the summer. Apparently, I I did not think Giannis was this petty,
1: but I I am all for it. We welcome it. We welcome it wholeheartedly.
2: Yeah, and if, just for some context, if people don't know, um, that you know, you should definitely read Eric Name's article on The Athletic uh, if you have a subscription or just subscribe because there's great stuff there.
0: Just get The um, Athletic.
2: Y- yeah, it's it's worth it. Um, but anyway, so apparently uh, during Greece's game against Brazil in the FIBA, some level of the FIBA World Cup, it might have been like the quarterfinals or something, um, Bruno Caboclo knocked away a ball that was like intended for Giannis or something so that Greece was knocked out of the tournament. Um, Giannis's teammate, Giorgio Papayanis, uh, shout outs to him, told him told Giannis that Bruno was on Memphis. Giannis says, All right, we'll watch that game. Nana said this game circled on the calendar for a random loss, uh, against Brazil in the summer, and that's why he was so hot at Bruno Caboclo. Um, a journeyman man who, uh, <laughs> can barely has made it back into the NBA after, uh, like a year away. Um, He's just and- two
1: years away from being two years away, his Bruno. Yes. <laughs>
2: One of the, one of the best quotes ever (laughs) about a a prospect. Um, even more so than that though, just like weird stuff. Like the Grizzlies may be true to form given that they're built in, you know, buds. Taylor Jenkins is building them in, in buds, bearded image, um, 49, three point attempts. The most any opponent has had against the bucks this whole season. Um, Jaron Jackson jr. Going on that 20 scores 26 in the third quarter alone. I can't remember what like the record is that Clay Thompson has for most points in a quarter, but like, can't be super
1: far off. felt like we were getting closer. Like, is this really happening right now? (laughs) Is this happening?
2: Uh, I mean, he, like he banks one in and then apparently Giannis is just on the bench fuming the whole time. And his quote is like, someone needs to stop him. And then he just comes in and completely decimates uh, Memphis in the last quarter, 17 points. Uh, alone in the fourth quarter and then gets to sit like the last couple minutes. Like it, it turned very quickly from uh, the buck looking like a potential upset to all of a sudden the bucks have a comfortable lead. Um, let's see anything else noticeable from that game. I, I mean, I think just the fact that, you know, even if teams feel like they have some hope and they're hitting their shots at an incredible clip, you know, 40.8%, 20 of 49 from three for the Grizzlies. Um, you just see that the Bucs are still taking away a huge aspect of their game. The Grizzlies are like, are I believe they're like top five in terms of points in the paint in the league, and the Bucs uh, more than doubled them up. You know, 54 points in the paint for the Bucs, 26 for the Grizzlies. Uh, that just shows that the Bucs, even if one team's succeeding at one element, the Bucs can still be really successful at taking away another.
1: And I think what also is impressive is you lose Eric Bledsoe in the first half and you kind of have to a little bit scramble on the fly to kind of fill in the gap and you toss out Dante or you toss out even more Wes Matthews or George Hilly ends up going getting 30 minutes. So I think what was most notable was it was a sloppy game from Milwaukee, like 17 turnovers, 21 fouls, and it was it was not exactly the height of beautiful basketball, which isn't all that surprising, I guess, when you're playing your essential twin in the uh, Memphis Grizzlies or your proto-twin. I I thought it was – what was most impressive is just the fact that, like Kyle was saying and how you both guys have said, even though they were falling a little bit behind, I don't know what the biggest Memphis lead was, but it felt like it got pretty close to double digits in the third quarter, and yet – there was this sort of grinding, not in the way that the Grizzlies used to be, like grit and grind, but there's there is this sort of grind that the Bucks put on you where systematically, even though like Taylor Jenkins, he clearly would of all the coaches in the league would have the best idea what the Bucks are going to do, they were able to just stop Memphis in the right ways, kind of put the clamps on Jaron Jackson Jr. And then on the offensive end just kind of do bucksy things and ends up being a, a double digit win in the end, even though it shouldn't have been at the start of the fourth where it was so close. And I think even Memphis might have had a slight lead. So it, it's just impressive that you are able to withstand a huge hot shooting end from a guy like that. You lose your lead point guard halfway through the game and still come out with a win. Like, yeah, 18 straight wins. Isn't all that impressive, I guess, but that was a pretty <laughs> impressive win, regardless, even if it isn't like the greatest competition.
2: Yeah, I agree. I also do think it speaks to the book's power. Like, I think the I think the Grizzlies, you're right. We're getting close to double-digit leads. And my wife has gotten uh, insanely into betting live bets during all these games. <laughs> like, it's an incredible turnaround for me being afraid to tell, tell her that I bet. And now she's like, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm just like 150 in the hole this year so far. But uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to make it all back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like even when I think even when Grizzlies were up, it was still the Bucks spread was like Bucks were still favored by half a point or whatever. So speaks to the Bucks' power. One small thing uh, that I did want to note that I think is it's kind of heartening for the potential for Bud to make adjustments, which I know is kind of a thing. And I felt like he did make adjustments last year in the playoffs, but it might crop up again is a guy like Robin Lopez. I think at different points in this year. Rolo has has certainly played well, but there have been games where he's just absolutely gotten rolled, uh, and it was clear he didn't have a place out there for this in this Grizzlies game, and it didn't feel like Bud was did, felt obligated to go back to him in the second half, which I, I think is a, a good sign and recognize that that's like that wasn't the spot where Robin Lopez was going to be able to succeed, uh, and I feel like you know there could be a pull from him. Uh, just given he was a big free agent signing, you know he's Brooke's brother, and sometimes Bud can get stuck in his rotation ways. So I thought I thought that was good to see that Bud didn't try and put him back out there, knowing he might get rolled over.
1: Yeah, I think it. Not even just Robin Lopez, but some of the lineups that Bud was forced to use out there, the like the offensive approach they had to do when Giannis was on the bench, for example. It, it's a little concerning still to me that in order for Bud to feel like he can experiment, he has to have it forced upon him by either dudes getting in foul trouble or a guy like Eric going out with injury. But theoretically speaking, some experimentation is better than that at all. And like I said, they they were able to do a little bit of experimentation, even with the lineups and still come away with the wins, which is hopefully will convince Bud to kind of tinker with things a little bit earlier in the playoffs. But that remains to be seen, I guess.
2: Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the last one was the 125-108 victory over the Cavs. Uh, Giannis had 29 points in that one. Chris had 19 points, eight of 11 shooting for Chris in the first half. Um, I would say probably the biggest interesting storyline was Dante with the 15 points, five rebounds, four assists, three steals, and and just one turnover, given that was the big change. The the rest of it was kind of pretty similar to to what it's been for Bucks victories in the past. And Cavaliers gave him a decent run, but Bucks just pulled away in the end. So it wasn't, didn't wind up being all that close. Um, But Had to be nice uh, for you, Kyle, to see Dante DiVincenzo. I think before pregame, now he starts. I think he's the Bucks steals leader, so his face, his mug, is up there uh, next to Giannis.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was up there last week as well, which was pretty cool to see. And it's his ability to get a hand on passes. I think he's if he's not leading the league in deflections, he's got to be top five. And his ability to get in those passing lanes and get a hand on those passes and just setting up the deflection really is one of the key contributions he makes on the court. Um, and that's what I think why he's been able to get all these steals is, you know, you get a hand on it and make go to another player. But I think that you still get the steal credit, which is pretty nice. And also, I want to give a shout out to Chris, especially in that first half. He looked like someone that wasn't going to miss. And I was wondering if he was going to get up to 40. And unfortunately, he doesn't He kind of cooled off and didn't really get as many shots in the second half. But this past week, I think Chris's average – at like 23, 24 points a game. And he's quietly getting back to those numbers that he had before the injury and last year, which that's a positive sign for the Bucks as they need him to be that guy. And if he's going to do it in the quietest way possible, that's a bonus, especially with that new contract. Seeing if he can get that all-star bid. Um, now that Eric Bledsoe's hurt, he might have a chance to improve those numbers. So just having Chris getting back to his old self, is a positive sign to go along with Dante's defense. I think those were the two big takeaways in that Cavs game.
2: Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned Chris. I just like his his game. It, it's kind of easy to overlook at how consistent and well he's playing. I think they said on the broadcast he's shooting almost 50% from deep uh, in December or in the last month or something. Uh, but, you know, his his three-point percentage is really ticking up there. And w- weirdly, Riley, I've, like, grown fond of his mid-range like game because I feel like almost every time I see him miss, it feels weird to me. But it it's like it's like a nice little contrast to the Bucks' helter skelter pace that they're playing out, like the, the fastest pace in the league. So I've grown a little bit fond of him doing some weird little working in, at the elbow.
1: Yeah, I was actually last night. I was thinking he the consistency is what's most impressive, which is why it's so off putting when he does have an off night because it the way that he plays, it doesn't lend itself like there are specific players who are going to necessarily be able to stop him. It's more so does he stop himself if he's having a good or a bad shooting night, but between the Memphis game and the Cavs game last night, there are times where in the flow of the offense, it it feels like he's almost getting a lot more shots where opponents are either crashing a little bit more into the paint or they're expecting him to drive or kick or whatever it is. And then he suddenly finds himself alone on the mid range and he just takes it and makes it. And, it's it's impressive to see him get back to this form and again what's most probably encouraging about Chris is the fact that we're in year however many here that he just he continues to play the exact same game. He's like Ursan Ily Silva Light except a little bit more of a uh, accomplished score, I would say. But you're right that his mid-range game it, it feels really strong right now. He's having the best shooting you know, whatever shooting year of his career, like he's shooting 50% from the floor completely, 41.3% from three points, and then 55.2% from two for an effective field goal percentage of 57.7. So it's even though he had the injury, that hasn't stopped him whatsoever from putting together the numbers. And lo and behold, who would ever have guessed having a not crazy high usage guy. Who's a really good shooter from pretty much every part of the floor. Be really helpful. If next to Giannis, like could strange logic there, but uh good for Chris and good for everybody who is a big Chris backer for at least, you know, as strong of a start as he's had this season so far.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, to- I totally agree. And let's, let's end it out on that. So then Chris is the final note. He can get a little limelight to himself. We're going to take a quick break on the other side of this. We're going to preview the big Western conference games that are upcoming for the Bucks, And then definitely you're going to want to stick around for an absolutely Epic vulture talk 2 parter. Uh, Riley's really, really pulled some good stuff here. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. Let's talk about this Western conference games that are coming up. Prove it week. As I feel like the, uh, it's time for the, the morning shows are going to call it. Um, Sadly, we are going to miss Luka Doncic. It sounds like for the Monday matchup against the Bucks, so that game that was once marquee uh, loses a little bit of its luster. But uh, we're going to do a little bit deeper dive than we usually would uh, for a game that's upcoming into this Los Angeles Lakers game. Um, I guess before we do that, uh, Kyle, anything that you want to just say about the the Mavs game uh, before we before we move on to this Lakers?
0: The Bucks should theoretically win. Relatively easily without Luca on the Mavericks team, but it'll be interesting to see how Chris Porzingis kind of steps into that go to role. He hasn't had to do it since his time as a Nick, and of course, when you are a New York Nick, nothing well goes for you. So to see him do it in a more stable, quote unquote, stable environment, at least with a better coach, it'll be interesting to see how he does matching and if he's going to be matched up on Giannis or if he's going to try and hover around and stay with Brooke. And on the defensive end, who does Milwaukee throw on Chris Stapps? I could see Brooke Lopez doing a little bit, but because Porzingis' ability to shoot from outside, it might make more sense to have Giannis out there. So I think that's really the only thing that's worth watching for in this match now that uh, Luca is unfortunately injured and hopefully speedy recovery to him.
1: Yeah, Bucks, I the, I was just gonna say the Bucks are gonna wax the, the Mavericks. I guarantee I it. It's gonna be a slaughter. Like looking, <laughs> it's tough to. I guess I shouldn't make a bold proclamation like that, but just looking at their system, like it's pretty much all Luca offensively. Like obviously there are other guys, but I'm really I'm not looking up and down the rest of the roster and saying, oh, this guy. I mean, maybe somebody gets hot like Tim Hardaway, but I I'm skeptical of that. So I anticipate a complete waxing of the Mavs. It's it would be strange if they didn't.
2: One thing I had forgotten about uh, with Kristaps Porzingis is I'm pretty sure this will be the first time he's faced the Bucs since he was injured against the Bucs in that, what was that, February of 2017 or something? Yep. So, yep, so I think this will be the first time they've faced the Bucs. And him and Giannis had kind of a nice little budding rivalry going there. Uh, and then Giannis obviously has exploded since then. But, and Chris and so Efs did Kristaps
1: Knee. Oh, yeah. am oh, oh, sorry. Oh, wow. I'm so, that that,
2: that
0: is lawsuits. Come on,
2: man. <laughs> We can't say that happened to Jabari so many
0: times. Yeah,
1: we you're right. That was. That. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm, just I'll replace the
0: knee with exploding lawsuits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's, yeah.
2: that too. Yeah. All right. Okay. Stuff. All right. Moving on to the Lakers. Uh, okay. <laughs> Here's a, okay. Just some. I'll just lay some base stats, and then I'll I'll kick it over to you, Riley, to start to just talk about the game. So, Lakers overall, these are all cleaning the glass. I checked them before last Saturday's games or whatever. So, if they're off, you know, sue me. Third, Bakers are third in point differential overall, Four, fourth overall in offense, which is points per 100 possessions, seventh in defense. Uh, they are leading the league in terms of outperforming their expected wins. So basically, based on their point differential, uh, there's a calculation for how many wins they would be expected to win. They've won 3.3 more wins than what they would be expected to win at this point. So you could say they're, quote unquote, been the luckiest team in the league to this point. Um, they are defensively, they are top, tie, top five in terms of forcing turnovers. And we all know that that's something that the Bud really prides himself on is making sure that the Bucks do not turn the ball over. So that'll be an interesting cross matchup. They're also top 10 in terms of offensive rebound percentage. And another thing that Bud prides himself on, making sure that the Bucs get their defensive rebounds. And then uh, really where they make their hay is that they take the third highest percentage of shots at the rim in the league. Once again, of course, the Bucs do their best to, protect the rim. There's some interesting cross matchups Riley in terms of where the Lakers are successful at stuff and then stuff that the Bucks pride themselves on taking away from teams.
1: Yeah. I think what's most interesting going into this game is like I said, there, there is all the stylistic matchups, but it's curious because the way that the Lakers player have played so far this season is you obviously have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, who are your top two guys. Like they pretty much run everything and rightfully should run everything. And then once you get past that, it's, uh, very buxy in that there's a lot of role players who are excelling in the roles. Like, I mean, even Rajan Rondo is shooting 47.5% from three. Like, I'm, I don't think that's going to be sustainable per se, but guys like KCP, Danny green, Avery Bradley uh, from top to bottom throughout their entire roster. It seems like, I don't know if it's necessarily a systemic thing or just the fact that you have these other two guys who are drawing so much attention that it gives everybody else the ability to excel. And so I'm curious Yes, stylistically, but I'm, I'm more so wondering who's going to be assigned to what to try and, especially on defense, how that's going to work because we've seen the Bucks play good defensive teams and eventually they do figure it out, like whether it takes a half or a quarter or however long to kind of get things going. But what I'm curious is what are the Bucks going to do to slow down Davis and LeBron, or if they can't slow them down, do they let them go off and then try and shut down everybody else? So that's what I'm most I wouldn't even say worried about because at this point, once you win 18 straight, even if you do lose, it's not the end of the world. Um, It's, it's, it's a curious question, especially without Eric, where it doesn't seem like the Lakers, they don't like Kyle was saying earlier, LeBron is the main playmaker. So does that even matter? Are you able to get enough through Dante? So that's, that's what I'm going to be looking for is especially just watching how the Bucks play on defense.
2: Yeah. And uh, I mean, Kyle, the, marquee matchup do you who do you think will be taking on the task of guarding uh LeBron
0: um or Anthony Davis I could see Chris Middleton taking on LeBron while Giannis focuses on on Anthony Davis and it wouldn't surprise me if Bud decided to kind of like how he does with James Harden allow a slight change in the way they approach it I mean it could be that they could throw someone like Wes Matthews on LeBron and like Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez double team Anthony Davis and just let Giannis wreck havoc all over the place and kind of just let him be a free roaming safety similar to how he was in Jason Kidd's scheme. So I would realistically say Chris Middleton would take, yeah would take LeBron and Giannis guards AD, but would not be shocked if Bud decides to have Wes Matthews, focus on LeBron so that way Chris could still have some legs to provide some offensive firepower
1: I don't know I mean I, I love I, wait I shouldn't say that I don't love Wes I'm okay with Wes <laughs> there, there but is. I'm not sure if I would uh advocate now man that would be quite the challenge if Wes had to if, why not put Dante on LeBron let's just see what he can right. do let's put Dante out there I mean if we <laughs> Wes has been good defensively, but I'm not sure if he's guard LeBron still at his apex good. So I'd be curious to see. Like, well, the only he, one that could do it is Giannis. That's true. Yeah. But then if, so let me, if I look up the shooting percentages, because I think Anthony Davis, he hasn't been taking that many threes. And so I wonder maybe Giannis will get the LeBron call because there's going to be a lot of Brooke Lopez just playing inside to try and deny Anthony Davis. And so maybe you just put your best guy on their best ball handler and see how it goes. I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, okay. Well, so I was curious about this because they've been I mean JaVale McGee has been the the starting center, you know, all year because they're they're kind of Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is, is, is reticent coward. to be the center. No, or that yes, reticent course, is a good way you. to put it as well. It, it, or also he's a coward. Um, you know, and he's shooting 34.1% from three Davis is on three point five attempts. LeBron's at thirty-six point three percent. I think it's just a really interesting matchup because that's a I think it's actually going to be a very good test for the Bucks because even with even with JaVale McGee as the center, you know, whatever, that's just a massive three, four, five for the Bucs to have to deal with, given that they're, you know, they have the four and they have the four and five big ones in, in Giannis and in Brooke. But you know, their three is Chris Middleton and he's big, but he's you know, against that front line, that's that's just a completely different animal to try and take those guys to task. So I think it's really gonna be interesting to also see. How Bud manages his bench, like this could be a good test to see is Ursan Ilyasova just gonna get roasted uh against a front line like this in the playoffs, you know? Absolutely. Is this, <laughs> is this <a> game? <laughs> well, but like so then will Bud try out DJ Wilson, right? I I mean my
1: absolutely not.
2: inclination would be no, he would not try that out. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they get super exposed, is he gonna try something different? I, I just think there's a lot of The Lakers uh, present really interesting matchup challenges that I think will be educational for the Bucs hopefully going forward.
1: Well, and not even just educate well, educational for the Bucks against the Lakers, but even it you're right that it's so rare to see a team these days play such a large lineup. Like we saw the match the other day, and they have like length. I'm not sure if I would say they're necessarily like a huge team in the way that we're kind of talking about it here. But even against like the Sixers, given how yeah. tall their starting lineup, like what what lessons do you get from this Lakers game that you're able to hopefully apply to the Sixers? Because those are gonna be Theoretically, in the playoffs, two teams that you're really going to have to worry about where, you know, we'll see how the brackets line up, but there's a possibility that you play the Sixers in the playoffs and you also have to play the Lakers in the playoffs to, you know, go to the final or, you know, to win the final. So I I agree that this will be instructive, maybe not for the rest of the season, except in very specific matches, but how does Bud move around? Because much as we all love Ursan, we saw last year that just defensively, I don't think he necessarily has it, and like really crunch time minutes and against a big lineup like this, he might just get knocked over a lot, which that's just kind of part of his game. But I don't know how that's going to work out over the course of seven games.
2: Yeah, I'm. I, I'm also. Is is Costa still with the team? He's played in two. Yeah, he actually.
0: Future. Yeah, he actually. I think they called him up. They either called him up or he will make some sort of whether it's on the bench or
2: something. Hmm. Okay. Well, so might have three Antetokounmpo's there. Uh, so that that's kind of interesting. I mean, it, the other interesting part is just seeing which is this game going to come down. I mean, usually it almost always comes down to which superstar is going to perform, but like, which bench guys are going to step up for these teams? I mean, Danny Green, really, you know, he did some good stuff for the Raptors against the Bucks, but he really, he was missing a lot of shots still. Um, but you know, when you look at the depth, I, I I guess I trust the Bucks' depth more. I mean, Avery Bradley yeah. seems kind of washed. You know, KCP is KCP. I don't know. People really like this Alex Caruso guy. I I don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, That's because he's, he's relatable
1: is... to a lot of the quote-unquote average NBA fan, I think. <laughs> like. Exactly. Like he's, a fine player. he's fine.
0: But, no, if he wasn't balding and white, we would not care as much.
1: I think really I think what's interesting is like you said Adam which superstar shows out and I would say arguably that Giannis is a better quote unquote once you get to the top 5 it's really hard to break it down from one player to the next but you could say that Giannis at his peak is probably better than Davis or LeBron so then does he play well enough like it's a lot of this might come down to how much can Chris kind of keep pace with their second guy and then after that because yes the Bucks depth is pretty consistent but if chris isn't having like a really good night then it's going to put a lot more emphasis on milwaukee's bench and as good as they've been when you're playing a team like the lakers where you have two such dominant players in davis and lebron you need chris to stub up and so it's going to be a a really big referendum on as well on him and how much of an asterisk is there going to be because eric isn't out there or you know whatever it's like oh they won you know 19 straight it was bound to end at some point but that would be interesting as well as how much people take away either positive or negative with the way Chris plays as well. Cause I think no matter what Giannis does, he's going to get his numbers or, you know, it'll be just, he, he didn't get enough help or whatever, but what is Chris going to do and how does he play offensively to kind of help keep pace for the rest of the team?
2: Yeah. I, I think that's just, that's just going to be a huge story. Anything else you want to say about uh, that one, Kyle?
1: Uh,
0: not really. It'll be a good matchup. Um, I think it's a win-win for Milwaukee because even if they lose, it's, going to be because LeBron and AD were better than Giannis and Chris, which is expected and that's fine. But if the Bucks win, not only does the winning streak continue, but for those that are quote unquote unimpressed with the teams that they have the Bucks have beaten, they will have beaten both LA teams. They will have beaten the Mavericks. So you're looking at the top two teams, two or three teams in the Western conference. Plus all the other teams that Milwaukee has beaten in the course of this winning streak. So I don't think the Bucks go out of this game looking worse unless they just get the floor. Unless they just get run off the floor. Then that might be a concern.
1: Yeah, I really don't think this game matters much to Milwaukee, especially in the quote-unquote narrative field. Because, I mean, we waxed the hell out of the Clippers a couple, whatever, like a week and a half ago. and. Nobody said anything about it. So even if we <laughs> wax the Lakers, nobody's going to talk about it. So not that I mind, but I really I'm not concerned about especially, you know, it's it's tough to be like, oh, it's regular season is not that important. I believe it is still important to some extent. But even if you lose this, it's like you were saying, Kyle, it's not the end of the world. And it's, it's one of 82. And you hopefully just get some lessons out of it more than anything.
2: Agreed. I don't know, but you. Guys, I'm pretty jazzed. I'm pretty excited for this game. I, you know, I really like running off, running these teams off the court and beating the Knicks by forty or whatever. But this is gonna be pretty fun. I'm excited. I, I feel like we haven't gotten like a Giannis Lebron really cool matchup with them at like the height of their powers ever.
1: Yeah, we'll see whether or not anybody actually ducks out from at the last second either. Because if uh, national TV games so far this season are to be any sort of uh rubric, we're going to probably miss LeBron or something, or alternatively, we're going to get stuck with Chris Webber and Mar- Marv Albert again, and we're going to be getting a lot of Nicola Miritish commentary, so either way, we might end up losers regardless, but hopefully, like you said, it holds together and ends up being a good game. I think it will be and fun that it'll be in Milwaukee, too, so we don't have to be up super late at night, and it should be a good atmosphere.
2: 100%. Uh, all right, well, that, that concludes our, our big Lakers, our huge Lakers preview, so let's move on to some of our last couple segments here. Uh, starting first with rapid fire questions that take us away, Kyle.
0: All right. So we're going to start with a very simple one. Do you prefer pancakes, waffles or French toast? Pancakes. Waffles. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Um, Favorite season.
1: Oh man. I would say fall. I've lived in the Midwest my entire life. So fall is, I think spring doesn't exactly exist in the Midwest and Especially out here in Minneapolis, the summer is just a swampland, so I'm going to go fall.
2: Yeah, I'd go fall with uh, summer dead last.
0: Wow. Yeah, I would go spring dead last just because, like Riley said, it doesn't exist.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure in some parts of the world it's beautiful, but not around here, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Where did you meet your significant others?
1: You can go first, Adam. Bumble. Bumble. The dating app okay it's like, yeah. i was like i was like i knew what it was
2: okay <laughs> all right i just figured i should clarify for anyone who didn't okay
1: I uh I met my significant other. She uh walked in freshman year of international business at uh our high school and uh it was a love story ever since. A love story that took six years to get started, but otherwise that's how we that's how you we had met.
0: international business as a freshman in high school.
1: Well, let's let's be honest. I enjoyed it, but it was not the most difficult class on the planet. So uh it's we did have it, but it was not like a uh super impressive thing to add to your resume. Still we did not have that. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: all right did either of you do a like spring break trip during college or a trip like that at all yeah i did i went to i went to myrtle
2: beach with a couple of my buddies uh it was a lot of fun um a harrowing drive back is what I'll say certainly a lot of grip in the wheel we had to drive all the way through <laughs> the night and i was i was just absolutely hung over as sin and i <laughs> i have it was like a single lane bridge over a over a giant oh, no over a, like a, over over a giant body of water and all the other dudes in the car are asleep Uh, except for one guy in the back and I'm like gripping the wheel. My eyes are completely wide open and I I have like, I have, I after like 30 more minutes, I have to stop. And uh, I looked at the dude in the back who who was awake and he was like, yeah, it looked like you had it. (laughs) So I just didn't say anything. So, uh, but yeah, it was a good
1: time that's an amazing story i i do not have a, a spring break i would just go back to like milwaukee or just stick around minneapolis so i do not have a uh gripping the wheel at 4 a.m driving from myrtlefish story unfortunately to uh, rival adams <laughs> yeah
0: i would not enjoy that drive at all <laughs> um and the last one job that you wanted as a kid
1: Ooh, I wanted to be a chef. Uh, I and I'm okay at cooking these days. I would not call myself a chef, nor do I have aspirations to. But I would have wanted to be a chef when I was a kid. Okay,
2: I think I wanted to be a uh, like a the co managing
1: editor at BrewHoop?
2: Yeah, I think I wanted. to <laughs> I think I wanted to manage a a, a, a small subset of fandoms blog, uh, <laughs> and I've achieved that goal. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know if i had any i think i probably dabbled with wanting to be a farmer or something because uh, i grew up on a farm but
0: no okay nice yeah those are all my rapid fire questions so sweet that's great I, those are great kyle <laughs> the spring break one that
1: probably that's maybe my favorite answer of all these rapid fire questions we've had oh <laughs> yeah I have, a, I have a rapid fire question for you guys is it impressive that the Bucks won 18 in a row or, or are you skeptical? <laughs> you got to win 20, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I thought here's so all jokes aside. I mean, that's a hell of a take. Uh, shout out to B-ball breakdown. That was amazing. But I, I do, I did find it interesting. Um, and I think this is in the midst of last night's game. So I don't know if it increased or, but I think this is like only the fourth longest win streak in franchise history, which to me is, is absolutely insane like the the quality of the team or the lack of quality of the other teams in the late 60s early 70s and in the 80s as well like to put it in context to still only be like the fourth longest winning streak to get to 18 in a row and that's I mean regardless of the competition or the way the game is played or whatever I think that's still impressive so shout out to the team for 18 straight and even though the haters aren't convinced we are guys we certainly are
2: yeah, that's very much true. It's a great point that the Bucks are a uh, a very modern mediocre franchise. Uh, they were, you know, they were really good for a long time. So, all right, let's move on to a segment we teased before the break. Riley, take us away on Vulture Talk.
1: I have some amazing stuff this week, guys. So we can we can either go out east or go out west. Which way do you want to start?
2: Uh, start out east.
1: All right, so the latest that we have coming out of New York with the Knicks, who else could it be? It has to be the Knicks. And this is, uh, I don't know if Stephen A. Smith is like a shadow member of the organization. He talks a little bit too much trash about Dolan to be, but I, I'm assuming he's somewhat clued into what's going on there. So according to Stephen A. Smith, the Knicks are considering hiring, you know, who Jason Kidd, <laughs> as head coach to try and tempt Giannis honest, to join them in free agency. So just to keep track with everybody at home. The Knicks game plan has has shifted a couple of times. It looks like now they're going to hire Jason Kidd. They're going to hire Masai Ujiri, so a.k.a. two of Giannis' 60 father figures that he has. And those two are going to get together and convince Giannis to come to New York. I'm not sure. Uh, Does that seem feasible? I have no idea why Giannis, I mean, he's loyal and everything, but... Wouldn't Even Giannis has to know that Jason Kibb is ass, right? Like that Even even Giannis now under Bud has to realize the difference in uh, coaching quality.
2: I, I think 100%. I'm just reading the full quote here, which is just delicious. Um, <laughs> let me, can I just read a little bit of it? Yeah, go okay. for it. This is Stephen A. Smith. Let me tell you what's circulating in the NBA.
1: Yes. Although... <laughs> <laughs> like
2: this is circulating it's such bs okay although the knicks deny this but i gotta tell you both tell both of you jason kidd is potentially a preferred candidate because jason kidd coached one year in brooklyn before leaving for milwaukee he's known for developing guys here's the kicker their belief is that Giannis, when he was fired in milwaukee yannis was ticked off and wanted to leave so by getting him to new york it potentially gives them a better shot at Giannis. That is such delusional thinking. It's absolutely insane. And also, every time a coach has gotten fired, Giannis has reportedly been sad. Like, he was sad. Uh, Nick Van, iced coffee, Exel was, you know, left <laughs> yeah. maybe they were playing their pickup games or whatever. Like, I think he got over it when he won 60 games and the MVP
1: yeah i don't know he's still holding that grudge Giannis is like he's having anybody he leaves like it doesn't matter to the player he's like i don't think i've seen one single player where Giannis is like yeah f that guy like he's always been like we would love to have him back we loved having him here like that's been Giannis's base answer to everything and now admittedly it was really strange around the jason kid uh you guys remember the firing and it was like like Giannis was going to sacrifice himself like christ all over again and jason kid was like no I have to take this one. Like you have to go <laughs> on to your destiny. It was just really weird. People know the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. He was like, he was like, no, 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 don't worry, the truth will come out or whatever. Like, what a strange era that whole was. Like, and it wasn't it the same day that the the Bucks were gonna play the Suns too, and I think they probably probably lost to the Suns. I don't it was just a, a really weird, <laughs> weird era. Like strange, strange times, Jason Kidd. Yeah,
0: my thing is, if Giannis were to leave Milwaukee to go to a winner, why the hell would you go to the New York Knicks, who are the furthest things from ever winning as a franchise? That the franchise hasn't been good since I think Patrick Ewing was there, and I was maybe four years old. It's just a terrible franchise. Jim Dolan might be the worst owner in all of professional sports, and then you're going to tell me that this coach that was mediocre at best is really going to convince Giannis to join a winner when he currently has a coach that has not only made taken him to an MVP level, they won 60 games last year, they're currently on an 18-game winning streak and look to surpass said 60 wins again, and then you're going to say, yes, the New York Knicks, the stable franchise <laughs> that is New York for Giannis with a new family. Yeah. that I, I swear, out of all the teams you could say, The Knicks would be the last team I would expect any superstar to go to.
1: I'm I'm surprised they don't try to play up like the like the Greek connection because isn't there like a sizable Greek population in New York? Like maybe that would be a different angle. But
0: but sizable population of every ethnic background in New York. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: no, it's your your point is totally well taken, and I think any delusions that the Knicks have are going to just continue to be that delusions, which. I don't really feel bad for them because they're like you said their owner sucks, but uh, it's it's strange that we just continually keep hearing about the Knicks. Now again, if they're able to get a couple of Giannis's dads like in the same organization, that might prove out for them. But otherwise, I'm not sure about their strategy.
2: Also, cost of living. I mean, Giannis was like just complaining that he was, was getting fined and that was going to take away diaper money. <laughs> but like that's a that's a lot less diapers in New York Uh everything's a little more expensive out there I feel like that is kind of interesting I mean I'm sure he money isn't that big to him now but like he's really mostly only ever known like a specific markets how much stuff is costing there like this is how much a house costs I feel like there maybe there's still some level of obliviousness to him I mean considering like just two years ago he tried to buy a, a, a practice court in a church as opposed to just build his own like (laughs) i feel like maybe he hasn't he might he might be able to use some uh, financial advice from you actually riley maybe he should get on that
1: look either Giannis can become a literal living god in milwaukee continue (laughs) to be that or he can be just like a pseudo also ran playing for a crappy team like the knicks so i mean the, the the choice is not should not be all that like we, this is a lot longer than I expected it to be, but going into everything, like you're saying, Kyle, like what other team? Yes, every team and their sister is, you know, lining up the cap space. But every team that he could go to, they're going to have to clear the decks for him and him alone. And then it's just going to be a freaking slog after that to build the team back up around him. Maybe there's like, who does he even buddy up with? Like, there's nobody I can think of off the top of my head who he's like, like a LeBron James will just figure it out to go here. Like this. The the more I feel think about it, the the less and less I think there's like a viable unless he's okay with he wants the market and he just he's okay with it being a bit of a slog for a couple of years, which I can't I can't imagine given just how much he's able to do in the off season and still be able to do even in Milwaukee. So I, it, that would just be a really, in my opinion, strange decision just given the circumstances. But I don't know, ironically,
0: don't know. the closest person that you can think of that he could buddy up with to play in New York is Kristaps Porzingis.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or like, or like, maybe he wants to go play with his brother in L.A. But we could just—I mean, I don't know. We already signed Thanasis. We could just go sign Costas too. Like, we'll we just
0: pull Alex's NBA eligible and just get
1: him on the team. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. But but speaking about weird strategies mm. to get Giannis, we got one more. We got to head out west now. Another really sad—I mean, just deplorable franchise. I'm gonna kick dirt all over them because they suck. So the Golden State Warriors. They're considering, because they are the worst team in the league right now, and I should say this, they're only considering, but if they get the number one overall pick, they think about maybe offering that for Giannis to the Bucs, and that is per a site called Pro Sports Daily. I would not suggest going there because you will get a virus, but they said they got that report from the San Francisco Chronicle. So uh, apparently they're not convinced that they would give up the number one pick for Giannis, but it is something they might do. So that's another interesting strategy for the Warriors to go after. (laughs) but it's so generous
2: of them yeah exactly that everyone says is really weak and no one knows who the number one pick would be that's really probably is lamella
0: ball (laughs) yeah please god no which is ironic which is weird because he's actually doing a really good job in australia all things considered
1: yeah, but, but okay, you're going from Giannis. to yeah, I know. Like, like <laughs> I think my favorite
0: part of the, this whole thing was that the Warriors would trade. It's like, who would you trade? What, like, what players would you trade over to match salaries and convince Milwaukee? Yes, this is a great deal.
1: If, if that's really there's their, no deal. <laughs> if they're thinking is like, I think any team that thinks like, oh, we'll be able to corner the bucks, like the amount of hubris you have to have to be like, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll give this other team this first round pick and that'll convince them. Like, just get out of here. That's so dumb. I, a lot of the teams, and I think the Warriors are probably very near the top, mostly because of their ownership, but just the, the franchise as a whole, there's like a... I don't want to say like entitlement, but the, their heads are a little bit up their rears, which is fine. And this is a good like uh, gut check season. But I think there's this weird restructuring of the NBA going on right now, where it's like, okay, these teams that were dominant are falling off, and you got a team like Milwaukee that's so good right now, where we don't we don't have to listen to your stupid offer for a first round pick and like maybe like a conditional second or whatever. Like we're we're the Milwaukee Bucks now, dude. You have to you have to listen to our demands, you know. Well, and that's just, what makes go for it.
0: Oh no, I was going to say it's just it feels like with the warriors, it's a bunch of hedge fund bros that think they <laughs> could manipulate and trick some sucker into their deals in which how they were able to get seven millions billions of dollars being hedge fund bros with parents that also gave the money. Except they forgot <laughs> that the Milwaukee Bucks ownership is a bunch of hedge fund bros as well. Yeah. So it's I don't know where they get the idea. You could not there's no trade, even if they were to offer their first round pick for the next ten years and Stephen Clay, I still would not take that trade because there's no realistic scenario in which Milwaukee would trade Giannis. Because I think we said this last week, even if Giannis said I'm not coming back, they would most likely just say, "All right, screw it, we're just gonna kick the tires and go for one last run." They're they're not gonna trade him. It would be absolutely idiotic, and if they wanted to see a fan base not show up to games anymore it's, it's, it, yeah kind of like what you're saying the hubris to assume that they could manipulate and swindle some sucker is kind of laughable yeah.
1: yeah go for it no, go for no,
0: it no
2: no takes on the golden state warriors okay, all right, okay. uh, yeah, yeah speaking of laughable it sounds like kyle you might have uh it's time for your film review seems like it might have <laughs> been a laugher
0: Yes, it was. Uh, It was the movie The Spy Who Dumped Me, which (laughs) stars Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. So a great comedy duo right there. The movie actually is really, really good. It's kind of got the comedy that you would want. It's got the action um, without spoiling too much. Basically, Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon have to travel throughout the world to figure out some CIA slash black ops slash you don't trust anyone And you don't really know who the bad guy is until the end. It was very entertaining. Lots of action and lots. It's kind of gory as well. So just an FYI for those that don't enjoy a lot of blood and stuff like that. It does get a little out of hand. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good balance. It was a good action comedy movie, which you don't really get many quality of nowadays. And again, the cast, it's pretty underrated, so it's not, I mean, like I said, Neil Kunis and Kate McKinnon are really the only two main stars, I know Hassan Minaj is in it, and he has a good part in it as well, but just from start to finish, it's a very action, it's a very quick pace, which I liked as well, so even though I think it was close to two hours, it didn't feel that way, it was able to just keep on moving, keep on moving, which kind of allows the plot to keep going, it's, and if you miss something, then you definitely can get lost. But I kind of appreciate that as well, because I want a movie that needs me to continuously pay attention compared to I could doze off for five to 10 minutes and I miss something. You know, I feel like as a TV show, that's fine. If I miss if it's kind of slow and the pace is slower, but in a movie, it's like, all right, let's go. Let's keep me entertained from start to finish as much as possible. So good movie would recommend people watch it.
1: All right. Two quick questions about it. So as every week, one out of 10, good movie. What would you give one out of 10? Just gut check. I'd say seven. Okay, good. Second question. I know Mila Kunis was born in the Soviet Union, like the late Soviet Union. Was she required to speak Russian at all in the movie? Uh, No. Okay. I wasn't sure if they were, I was I think that's something. I'm curious why more, you know, whatever places that cast or maybe that's just but she doesn't want to do that. But I know she speaks fluent Russian. So I'm surprised they don't do that more often as like a character arc, but that's all. Yeah. I, Cause I'm I was going
0: to say they're in Austria for a while. They're in Germany. I think they're in France. So it was definitely around like Western Europe <laughs> more than <laughs> Eastern Europe.
2: Sorry. I was, I just Googled it. Cause I was just, I was gonna ask you guys how much you think it made at the box office, and and there's just I, I, I
1: looked it up. I never know with box office numbers anymore. <laughs> oh, <we're, laughs> go for it, M. Lead it up.
2: There's just one review clip in here that's really good. It's um, with a 120 minute runtime. The Spy Who Dumped Me is at least an hour longer than it needed to be, which <laughs> is just so brutal.
0: Oh my god! I'm not completely wrong. Like there's a, like M and I were saying that like. If she had, if she had done, like these three things, you could have cut the movie in half. But at the same time, it's kind of a hindsight. It's definitely a hindsight. Like, well, if she had done this, then you wouldn't have to go through all these other hoops. But that's kind of the point of the movie. It's like you don't know what to believe and who the good guys and bad guys are until the end.
2: Hmm. All right. Well, I, I I remember being intrigued by it, so I'm glad you reviewed this one, Kyle. I honestly forgot about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's on. I want to say it's on Amazon Prime, I think. It's either on Amazon Prime or Netflix, one of the two. Maybe Hulu. I don't remember where we watched it, but it was on streaming. It was on a streaming server. <laughs> it's hard to
2: remember where you watch stuff now.
1: Do you guys have well, a lot of those people, subscriptions? Sorry. What do, do you have a lot of those subscriptions, you guys? Do you both have like the Netflix, the Hulu, the Amazon? Do you have like the whole suite or no? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Because Disney Plus had their bundle with Hulu and ESPN Plus, we have that. And then Emma has Amazon Prime, so we have that one. And then I have Netflix, so I have that. I think the – yeah, I pretty much have a lot. I don't have like HBO or Showtime or any of those cable channel subscriptions.
1: So, well, if that's the case, so we don't have to talk any further than that, but I am curious. <laughs> so because I'm out of, and Adam as well, we're out of market so we can just watch on League Pass for the most part. Yeah. How are you, how do you watch the games, Kyle? Do you Can you get it through Hulu or how, like what service do you use to watch it? So I just
0: use the Fox Sports Go app and then use oh, my parents' cable yeah. login um, no. to watch it
1: really praying fox sports uh or they they don't listen to this like wait what is he doing he's using his <laughs> parents account and they shut you down
0: <laughs> that would be unfortunate but yeah that's how i watch it is i use the fox okay. sports go and parents log it i'm not because i don't have that level of hulu where you can stream sports live because i know that's what a lot of people are able to do is watch fox sports wisconsin through hulu but that just seems like a lot more extra money that i don't need to spend
1: yeah, it's a lot easier to watch games out of market, thank goodness. And even then, it's still not super easy, it's just because all the national games and all that. But yeah,
2: yeah, the national games always bug. It's the NBA TV games that bug me because yeah, they're just—they're so- never good matchups, and they're always blacked out. And I don't know why. I, I don't know why they don't just offer it as like you can pay ten extra bucks or something, and then you get access to those via league pass. It is the dumbest thing for for me personally. I just I hate it so much.
1: Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. yeah.
2: We're also, all of us millennials are in for a rude awakening when our parents um, cut the cord.
0: (laughs) I don't think my parents will ever do it, thankfully. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm in a lot of trouble trying to watch sports in general. (laughs) I just use
1: my brother as a meat shield. He buys all the packages, and I just use his (laughs) login information. So shout shout out to my brother for that. He's going to keep on keeping on, so (laughs) good for him.
2: Oh, goodness. All right, well, shout out to Brother Feldman. Uh, the only other game next week is against the Knicks, which um, it's the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's about all we have to say. About no, there's there's another
1: game. What are you talking about? There's this there's, there's two games. Wait, wait, the the Mavericks game? No, so the Mavs, Lakers, Knicks, and Pacers. They played the Pacers on Sunday. Well, I guess between oh. now and the next time we record, it might not.
2: I see. Played. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's um, that's smart. Well, it beat the uh, Pacers as well, so it's fine.
1: Whoa, whoa, you whoa. think that's the case? Hold on. Oh, yeah. Let's, well, go gotta, through, let's go through predictions first before we say that.
2: I almost feel like – I know we don't usually record at night. I feel like we got to figure out what we're going to do with that one.
1: It really depends on if Malcolm plays. If Malcolm plays, then we might have to do the live like stream of the <laughs> podcast with the <laughs> yes. game. That might have to happen. <laughs>
2: Did you guys see he's growing a mustache?
1: Yeah, it doesn't look good. It (laughs) It doesn't look great. No,
2: guys, as someone who took (laughs) a long time to grow a mustache, like several, several months, and then even when it was okay, people still said it looked terrible. It looks great. (laughs) Okay? It looks really good. I think what's the problem
1: is the one shot that I saw, it was like really zoomed in on his face, so his face was pixelated, so it looked like it was drawn on. I'm sure from a distance it looks fine, but in the one picture I saw, I was like, that is not a flattering look, so...
0: I think the biggest thing is it's a thin. I'm not a fan of thin mustaches. Like it's too. I'm not a like the pencil like thin mustache. I don't like. Like just make that sucker as big and bushy as possible. And maybe it's because that's if one. Okay, I can, but
2: Kyle, you can't always do that. You know. Look, <laughs> I'm sorry so really I probably
0: have <laughs> the sloppiest facial hair setup known to <laughs> man right now because I'm too lazy <laughs> to
1: shave. <laughs> some good mustache Uh, talk at the end of the pod really good
2: yeah all right anyway okay so yeah so we'll figure out what we're doing with that Pacers game but yeah Mavs Lakers Knicks Pacers next week for the Bucks Uh, this has been the Brew Hoop podcast read all of our stuff on brewhoop.com follow us on twitter at brewhoop at tune in and like and subscribe to the pod please share it with your friends if you want to and uh, we'll be back again next week